holy this morning. God, you're holy every day. We are your created beings, God, created for worship and praise to you today. I'm going to let you be seated. Is it okay? If, if the choir, can they, get, can they just stay? I mean, if yeah. you guys need to go down, some of you need to go down, that's fine. Instead of having all the... I just want to go ahead and jump right into the scripture text real fast. If you don't mind to stay. If you, some of you need to slip out for something, that's perfectly fine. Do what you need to do. I'm going to read this text to you quickly, and I'm going to spend just a brief few moments sharing a little bit of, of what's in my heart today. I, I don't have to preach when the Lord's moving, the Lord's working. It would be my preference and my desire for him just to take over and do what he does, but I feel such a just an urging and a prompting of the Holy Spirit today just to, to share for a few moments, and I would never intentionally try to quench or grieve or break or stifle the flow and the moving of the Holy Spirit, and that's not my intention today. I, I'd be perfectly fine not preaching this. I'm not going to get through all of this, but I do want to I want to just start and as the Lord prompts me to stop, I'll, I'll do that. If you have a Bible, go to Judges chapter 19 with me this morning, please. Judges chapter 19, if you have a Bible or an electronic device, whatever you have. And I'm, I'm going to revisit a text that I, that I used several, several months ago on a Sunday night. But I want to I take it down a different path if the Lord will, will let me today. Some of you, when I read this, it may sound familiar to you. Early on in my, my tenure, when I was first here on a Sunday night, I used this text, but I want to revisit it because the Lord's just been stirring my heart about it. I'll pick up here in the middle of a story, and then I'll go back and I'll quickly give you some details, and then we'll just make a point or two uh, as, as the Lord lets me do that. Judges 19, I'll let you remain seated. <clears throat> beginning at verse 22, reading through verse 30. I think they've got the text back there that you can follow along. They do. And as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man, whom, man who came to your house that we may know him carnally or have sexual relations with him. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's wife, or some translations say concubine, but they're interchangeable, it's wife. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. Pretty much he's saying, just have your way with my daughter and this man's wife, but don't don't, don't request to have relations with this man. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. But the men would not heed him. So the man took his concubine, his wife, and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her sexually and physically. Is what the text is implying here until morning. From sun down to sun up, this group of men had their way with this woman. And when, they, when the day began to break, they let her go. And then the woman came as the day was dawning. And she fell down at the door of the man's house where her husband was till it was light. When her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way, there was his wife fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. Somebody say threshold. 
And he said to her, get up and let us be going. But there was no answer because obviously she was dead. They'd raped her and abused her and had killed her. So the man lifted her onto the donkey and the man got up and went to his place. And when he entered his house, he took a knife and laid hold of his wife. She's already dead. And divided her into 12 pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it said, No such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. Verse 27 is interesting to me. That that man's wife, after she had been raped and abused, sexually mistreated, taken advantage of, in the most horrible, horrific, disgusting way, she made her way back to the house where her husband was. And when he came out that morning, there she was, lying at the door of that house with her hands on the threshold. She was close, close enough to get in the house, but yet still far enough away, she never made it in. And I want to take just a brief few moments. I'm going to be very brief this morning because I feel like the Lord wants to do some things. I feel like for some of you today, individually, I'm not talking corporately, I'm talking more individually today. For some of you, it's moving day to day. Here's what I mean by that. Some of you, it's time to step out of the past you've been living in. And even step out of some of your present circumstances you've been stuck in and step into all that God has for your life. But if we're not careful... We'll get close enough to see it, to sense it, to touch it, to taste it, get so close to all that God has for us, and we're not careful, we'll die with our hands on the threshold. And I believe God wants us to cross over today, and some of you, he wants to take you into a new beginning. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Help me to communicate, articulate, and preach your word today with clarity, with boldness. God, let me be precise on point, God, and at the moment you touch my heart and say to stop, God, may I listen to the heeding of your spirit and open these altars so people can come today, God, and receive everything that you have for them. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. Pastor Tony, thank you. <clears throat> this is quite possibly one of the most intriguing interesting, thought-provoking stories in all of the Bible. This is one of those Old Testament gems, if you will, that is tucked away and it's hidden. And if you're not careful, you'll read right over it and say, boy, that's interesting and not really think anything else about it. It is a story of betrayal. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of tragedy all wrapped up in one. Let me, let me backpedal a little bit and take you to the beginning of Judges chapter 19 so you'll know exactly where we are and where, where I want to take you today. The Bible tells us that there was a time in Israel in Judges 19 when there was no king and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. If you read through the book of Judges, you'll see that phrase that occurs more than one time. There was really no leader. There was no leadership there was no spiritual leadership. There was no political leadership. So everybody just kind of did what they thought was right and what felt good to them. Isn't it ironic how thousands of years later we seem to be in the same predicament today? Everybody just does whatever they feel is right in their own sight and in their own eyes. And if it feels good to them, do it. doesn't matter what the Scripture says. doesn't matter what the laws of the land say. It doesn't matter whether it's politically correct, incorrect. If it's right in their sight, they're, just, they're going to do it. 
The Bible tells us there was a certain Levite. He was, he was of the priesthood. He was involved in ministry. And it said that he took for himself a wife from a place called Bethlehem, Judah. As you read on through the story, you're going to find that that wife of his was unfaithful. She committed adultery. The Bible said she went out and she played the harlot against her husband. And after she was done and after she had committed that act, she escaped to her father's house. And for four months, she was there. At the end of four months, her husband made his way to that house where she was. The Bible says that he went to speak kindly to her. He went to be reconciled to her and to mend and to fix that broken, mangled, messed up relationship that had now come as a result of her poor choice. He gets there, and the Bible tells us for three days that when he got to the house that her, her father was thrilled to see him and thrilled to meet him. And for three days, they, Brother Sean, they sat together, they ate, they drank, they just, they just begin to, to fix that relationship. And the young man and the, and the father, the man and the father just begin to, uh, to, to, to really kind of form a relationship. On that fourth day, the man gets up to take his wife and to leave, and the father says, no, don't, don't leave. Stay here a little bit longer and continue to, to lodge here and continue to fellowship with me. And the fourth day goes by, and the man consents, and he stays, and they get to the fifth day, and the man gets up to take his wife and to leave, and again, the father presses him to stay, and he sits back down, and about, about noontime, the man looks at the father and says, listen, I can't stay any longer. I got to go. He takes his wife, the wife that had been unfaithful to him. He takes his servant, and they saddle the donkeys, and they begin to make their way back toward the remote mountains of Ephraim where the man was from. As they're journeying, the sun is beginning to set. Nightfall is approaching, and the servant looks at the man and says, we need to turn in somewhere and stay for the night, and they're coming through Jerusalem, and he I says, let's, let, let's stay here. And he says, no, we're not going to stay here. Let's, let's keep going a little further. And they get to a place called Gibeah. As they arrive in a city called Gibeah, in the town of Gibeah, uh, they, they go down, the Bible says, to the, to the city square. And there they are preparing to just sleep for the night in a lodge for the night. And as they're there, this old traveler comes through and he says to them, he says, where are you from? Where are you going? And what are you doing here? And the man says, we are... Uh, from the remote mountains of Ephraim, we're headed back. Back, Actually, we're going to offer worship to God and take a sacrifice to God. We're on the way uh, to worship, then we're going to go home. And the old man says to them, I'm also from the remote mountains of Ephraim. And, and the man looks at the old man and says, listen, we, we've got everything we need. We've got our own food. We've got our animals here. We've got everything that they need. We just need a place to stay. The old man says, certainly, you need to come stay with me. But whatever you do, he says, don't stay out here tonight. It's not, it's not safe. It's not good. So they, they get into the house, and that leads me to, to my text. And as they're there in the house, and they're eating and they're drinking, and the Bible says they're enjoying fellowship together, there, there comes this knock at the door. And there's some men of the city who are standing at the door. And they make a request of the old man who owns the house, and they say to him, that man that you brought into your house tonight, send him out here so that we can know him in a carnal and in a sexual way. 
The owner of the house says, listen, gentlemen, please, don't, don't do this. Don't make this request. Don't, don't involve yourself in this vile act. He says, listen, I, I have a virgin daughter here. You can have her. Take her. Have your way with her. Matter of fact, this man even has a wife that he brought with him. You can have both of them and do whatever you want to do with him. That's perplexing to me. And you can pull commentaries on this and you can study this. And this is one of those texts in the Scripture. There's not a whole lot that historians and theologians have to say about this. It's one of those things that you, you look at it and you read it and you're, you're hoping that, that, that some historian, some theologian, somebody smarter than you can give us some detail as to why that, that, that owner of the house would offer his virgin daughter to those men. And even that man's wife says, take these two women and do what you want to do with them, but don't, don't do this to this man. They wouldn't hear of it. So finally, the man who, had, who was his guest, he comes to the door of the house, and he takes his wife and pushes her outside of the door. He says, you can have her. And the Bible tells us that those men took her, and they abused her. They raped her. They sexually abused her and mistreated her for hours upon hours. They just took turns having their way with her. And as the sun began to rise that morning, they let her go. And she makes her way back to the house where her husband was. She falls down at the door. As he gets up and prepares to leave and to go home, he opens the door, and the Bible says there he found his wife. She was fallen at the door with her hands on the threshold. Now, this is a door sweep. It's going to be a threshold this morning. So you just permit me to call it a threshold. It's a door sweep, but it's going to be a threshold. Is that all right? If it's not, it's the only thing I have, so it's, it's going to be a threshold today. And he finds her with her hands on the threshold. He picks her up, puts her on his animal, gets her home. Obviously, she's dead. Literally had been raped to death, abused, killed. And it's that 27th verse that, that piques my interest. I've, I've, listen, I've read it many times over the years. There's something about that 27th verse that just seems to get a hold of my heart and it won't let me go. I mean, obviously, the reference, the literal reference is that it's speaking to us of the physical position of that woman when that man, her husband, came to the door of the house that day to go home. Her physical position was one that she was laying at the door, Brother Turbin, with her hands on the threshold. But I believe there's, if you peel it back a little bit, there's something else there. And I promise you, I'm going 10 more minutes and we're, I'm going to stop because I don't, I don't need to go long. More than likely, every one of you this morning, whether you walked out your side door, your front door, or your back door, more than likely you walked over a threshold to get out to go get in your car and to get here. I want you to consider with me, just for a moment, what, what, what is a threshold? 
The word threshold literally means a point of entry. When you step over a threshold, you step over from where you were and where you are to where you want to be. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. It's a, it's a transitional point. When, when you step over a threshold in a, in a physical sense, you're stepping over from your past, even your present, into a future. Listen, it, it is virtually impossible for us to get to work, get to church, or any other place for that matter, by simply standing at our front door and looking longingly at our car and going, I hope I can make it to where I want to go. Can't happen. I mean, today I had to walk out of my bedroom, had to go to the door that leads into the little laundry area, then I had to open the door that leads into the garage. I had to hit the garage door open, lift the door up, get in my car, back out, hit the garage door remote so that it would close. I could not have made it here without stepping out and stepping over the threshold of my door. I could have never gotten here. Because, see, if you're, if you're not moving, you're not progressing. And if you're not progressing spiritually now, you will never step in to new places, new seasons, and new moments of destiny that God has created for your life. There's an interesting story in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus has finished a full day of teaching and preaching, and he looks at his disciples in Mark 4, verse 35, and here's what he says to them. Let us cross over to the other side. God is a God of movement. God is a God of motion. I understand there are seasons that we have to be still. There are seasons that we rest. There are seasons that, that we cease from activity. But, but for the most part, God's an active God. See, if you're standing still all the time, you're going to stagnate. And stagnation will stunt your growth, so to speak. See, there... There are spiritual thresholds, Aunt B, that, that God brings churches to. I don't want to so much speak corporately today. There are thresholds, that, spiritual thresholds, that, that God will, will bring churches to. Transitional moments in time. And God will bid us to step over and step into a new season that he has for our lives. I believe this church has stepped over into a new season that God has for us. I believe a couple of Sundays ago were very significant in our crossing over into all that God has for us. If you weren't here, come talk to me about it later. I'll tell you what happened. Or ask somebody else. Maybe they'll tell you better than I could. 
But I believe that God brings us even as individuals to spiritual thresholds, if you will. And he bids us to come with him into a new place that he has designed and destined for our lives. Because here's, here's my concern. If we're not careful that spiritually, I said this a moment ago, we will get close enough to see and to sense all that God has for us. We'll get close enough to, to touch it and even to taste it, but if we're not careful, we will be like this man's wife. Here's the picture that I see. She died with her hands on the threshold. She knew there was something in that house that she had to get to, and if she could just get in that house... Everything was going to be okay. She got so close, Brother Stout, but she died so close, but yet still so far away. I believe that the Lord today is speaking to some of us that He has brought you to a place and He is inviting you to step over. And in a sense, when you step over, you're stepping out of your past and you're stepping out of the present. And he's bidding you to come into a future that he has designed for your life. Does that make sense? But if you're not careful, you'll get to that place spiritually. And like that man's wife, you'll get your hands on it. But for whatever reason, you'll refuse to step over into what God has for your life. I just sense by the prompting of the Holy Spirit today, there are some of you, you are stuck on the other side of the threshold, and God's saying, I want you over here on this side because I've got some amazing things for your life. Pastor, come play. Help me land this. I'm going to be done. Listen, vision is lost on this side of the threshold. Dreams are buried on this side of the threshold. Opportunities are missed on this side of the threshold. And when it comes to what I'm talking to you about today, you're either stepping over or you're standing still on this side. You're either all in or you're not in at all. And if you decide that you're just going to stand here, you're going to miss what's over there. See, some of you can't get beyond the past hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the brokenness, so you're stuck at the threshold and you refuse to take a step. Some of you are, are comfortable on this side. I'm going to tell you, if you ever decide to step over the threshold and, and respond to the bidding and the invitation of God to go with Him, it's going to get uncomfortable. But if you stay here, you're going to miss what's there. Listen, I don't want to die on this side with my hands on the threshold saying, I knew God had something else for me, but I never would take that step to cross over.
I prepared this message a couple of weeks ago. Matter of fact, I was going to preach it a couple Sundays ago, and I didn't get to because the Lord just did some other things. And I was doing, this is my last point I'm going to make, I was doing some, some reading yesterday, and I came across this very interesting uh, concept, if you will. I try to read on a pretty regular basis because reading makes you smarter. I know the help I can get, Brother Turpin. There's books I read because I want to, and there's books I read because I need to because it keeps me sharp and keeps me effective as a leader. The books I read because I need to are a little harder to read than the books that I want to read. And I took a book on vacation and read it in a week. It was, it was simple to read. There's other things that I read you kind of got to plow through a little bit. The book I was reading yesterday is called Leadership Pain. And he's talking about growing as a leader, developing as a leader. And you can only, you can only grow to the level of the, the pain that you're willing to go through. And there was this one part I was sitting, not that it matters, but I was sitting down at, by the pool yesterday in our neighborhood and J.C. was swimming. I was reading because the water was way too cold for me to get in. And he talked, this guy was talking about something that's called a, a liminal space. And a, a liminal space, it is an intermediate, in-between, transitional state. Where you can't go back to where you were because you have crossed over a threshold, so to speak. But in this space of time, a liminal space it's called, you have yet to arrive where you're going because it has yet to be presented to you. So essentially what he was saying was is that this liminal space it's called is the hallway between your past and your future. And here's the truth, sometimes it can be hell in the hallway when you're waiting to get where God wants you to go. Here's the point I want to make today. There's some, you're just stuck right here because you're, you're afraid to step over. But there's others in here today, I feel this by the prompting of the Holy Ghost. You, you took a step of faith some time ago, and you thought... Lord, I need you to forgive me because I was going to be done at 12. I need a couple more minutes. I didn't lie on purpose. You thought that as soon as you stepped over, you would step in. Listen, I feel God right here. There's a misconception that we have sometimes that as soon as we step over, we're going to just walk right into everything God has for us. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you step over and you get stuck in the hallway not because of anything you've done or anything that God has done or hasn't done, but because God just has you in an in-between place and it's a hallway. You're, you're not in the room, but you're not where you were, so you're kind of stuck in the middle between your past and your future. Doesn't mean you're not going to make it. And some folks are stuck here, but there's others that have stepped over It's back to that story in Mark 4 
when Jesus looked at his disciples and says, come on, let's cross over to the other side. In verse, the next verse, 35. The next verse says a great windstorm arose. You said let us cross over to the other side. And the next verse says a great windstorm arose so that the waves were being turned up. They're crashing into the ship. Now read the story. This, the boat is filling with water, and at the same time, it's sinking. And I would venture to say those 12 disciples, at least a couple of them probably, they thought it for sure, and I, I would say maybe they said it. We traded the comfort of the shore for the storms of this sea. We would have been a whole lot better back here on the shore than we would in the middle of the storm. Listen, they were too far to go back, but they were still too far away to get to the shore. They had to ride the storm out. They found themselves right in the middle of their past where they were and their future where they were going. But here's good news that I have for you. The Bible says when they made it over to the other side. Here's what's going to happen if you take a step. You might get stuck in the middle for a while, but step anyways. And here's what's going to happen when you take a step. Fear is going to rise. Faith is going to be... You, both of those can operate in your life at the same time, by the way. It's possible to be fearful and be faithful at the same time. I just heard theological bubbles popping all over the place. Pastor, how can you do that? Because there's a physical part of you that is prone to fear. But there's a spirit man and a spirit woman that resides on the inside of us that when fear starts rising, faith wants to rise up at the same time. And there's this contradiction that goes on. So what do I do, Pastor? You step anyways. You step out of your past, you step out of the present, and you step into the future that God has for you. Listen, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. God's not waiting. Well, you're not waiting on God. We, we say, oh, I'm just waiting. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to take a step of faith. If you can muster enough faith to take one step, I'm telling you, you will begin the journey of stepping into the fulfillment of things that God has for your life. You just have to take the step of faith. Well, Pastor, what if I get stuck? Step anyways. How long is it going to take me to get there, Pastor? I don't know. Step anyways. Because here's what I believe. What is waiting for you on the other side is far greater than what you're getting ready to walk out of. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here today. <clears throat> What's waiting on you on the other side is far greater than what you're getting ready to leave behind. You just got to get to stepping. Pastor, I'm afraid. Step anyways. I don't want to get stuck in the hallway, Pastor. Step anyways. Pastor, I'm comfortable here. Step anyways. Pastor, all that I've been through, all my pain, my hurt, my brokenness, my betrayal, it's become my crutch to lean on. I'm comfortable. That's what you need to do. Step out of it and step into. God has designed a great future for your life. Come on, stand with me. Would you do that?